Should the Dallas Cowboys reconsider giving Trayvon Diggs a massive contract extension? All that more in this episode of Locked On Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check out him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. We're getting to your Twitter questions today. This first one is from Jack. He wants to know. Should the Dallas Cowboys maybe reconsider the idea of giving Trayvon Diggs a massive contract extension this offseason? I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I think this idea that you can, uh, you know, find guys like that on a heat pile or, or that it's, you know, it, it's, it's bad to pay uh, 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 corners or I, I don't, I'm not even sure what the concept is behind not paying. Well, okay. So let's, let's, let's break down the concerns, right? Some yeah. people think that the 2021 season, he had a lot of turnovers, but he gave up a lot of big plays, right? Last year, the, he only had three interceptions was more consistent game to game. Didn't give up as many big plays, but I think people are just worried that, Hey, if he's not getting interceptions, how valuable of a cornerback is he? He's pretty valuable because if he's not getting interceptions, it's because people aren't throwing the ball his way. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I think that's the thing about Trayvon Diggs is that he's dangerous. It's a different type of corner. It's not uh, the kind of shutdown, you know, sort of corner that you, uh, that doesn't even exist anymore, honestly. Like uh, it's, but I think it's still kind of in people's heads as that's the type of corner that you pay. Um, I think that having someone like that on the field is valuable for the overall health of your secondary because it makes sec- it makes your quarterback think twice about throwing the football on that side. And again, like I think that there are aspects to the the fear that that Trayvon kind of strikes uh, in in offense coordinators and uh, quarterbacks' hearts uh, and how that affects their play that may not you know manifest itself in interceptions. It may it manifests itself in more sacks. It may manifest itself. In, in, in other ways in, in, in running, you know, in taking off and running instead of trying to throw the ball. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think people are trying to get clever because it's the off season and they're, and they're running out of topics, I think. But I, I, to me, I, I feel like Trayvon Diggs does something that uh, that is important on a defense and that is make the offense, you know, afraid to uh, to t- take risks on his side. And, and look, yeah, he did. He give up some big plays. Absolutely, but would you say that he had a bad year in 2021? No, I absolutely think not. No, absolutely. Well, I think he was one of the most valuable defenders in the NFL in 2021, despite giving up a lot of big yes, plays. Exactly. You get, you get 11 turnovers. Those are game-changing plays. Who cares if you give up 600, 700, 800 yards? Yeah, and 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 he didn't get less interceptions last year because. What he dropped more or something like that. No, it's because yeah. people stopped throwing his way because he had eleven interceptions the exactly. previous years, guys. Like, let's you know, come on, let's let's have a little bit more logic. Let's dig a little deeper into some of these these things and find the context. Yes. Because the idea is, is that this is a guy who, uh, you know, 
when you throw the football, he has as high a chance as any quarterback in recent memory that I yes. can think of of intercepting the ball. And, and that's if, if you're looking for a superpower for, for, from Trayvon Diggs, is there a better corner in, in the league that's 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 my ball? I mean, when was the last time you saw a corner that was as good as Trayvon Diggs as my balling balls that were in the air? I, I think he may be the best in a, a decade time. or so. Yeah, yeah I mean, so uh, no, I'm 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 resigning Trayvon Diggs if uh, if possible. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's this fear, like, hey, if you give him a big contract, you know, maybe he'll regress a little bit. But that's just the nature of the cornerback position. Like, if if you want to sign a a cornerback to a contract extension and just get rock solid play every single year, all pro production, those guys aren't out there. Even somebody like Jalen Ramsey, who is this you know highly thought of corner can have really bad games and even can yeah. have down seasons, right? It's just, I think if, if you're against paying Trayvon Diggs, to me that means you're more against paying big money to, to the top cornerbacks because you you recognize that there's going to be a lot of variance from year to year. Well, there's just a class of fans that just refuses to pay anybody, <laughs> or 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 as soon as someone gets paid, they become that player becomes the villain, right? Or or he's stealing money from the team or whatever. Like guys, you know, you have to pay talent in this league, and and yeah. I mean, if you don't think that Trayvon Diggs is talented, I don't know what to tell you. You know, maybe like he he's done things that that other corners haven't done, and he's done it while being extremely inexperienced and still learning the position. So. Well, and remember, the, the reason why the Cowboys didn't pay Byron Jones, who was coming off what in 2000, no, I don't remember, 2018 was a Pro Bowl season, 2019, a little bit below that, but still played well, is because he didn't get turnovers, right? So you mm-hmm. finally get the cornerback that gets turnovers, and now you're thinking about getting rid of him because, oh, well, he's maybe not quite as consistent like you've got to pick one way or the other there's no such thing as a perfect cornerback if you're if you're searching for that guy that gets you six interceptions every year and only gives up 100 yards they just don't exist yeah and, and guess what guys like i said eventually you have to pay these guys like that's just the way it is so uh Trayvon Diggs is not someone that i considered uh maybe we shouldn't pay like he's he's playing at a high level he's a superstar in this league uh, teams don't like throwing at him for very good reason. Um, and I think that that will continue to be that way, you know, for, for years to come. And, and it's not, again, it, he didn't have a down year last year. He had a better year than the previous season. So I, I don't really understand this argument. I mean, the, and the last thing I'll say about Diggs is I kind of want guys that are really good against my division opponents. Go look yeah. to see how well Diggs has played against Washington, New York, and Philadelphia. He's been unbelievable in those games. So, Keep the guys that help you stay really competitive against your division opponents. Yep, absolutely. And Diggs is one of those guys. I, I, I understand that he's going to be a little bit more difficult, and I understand that there's a little bit more variance to his game than some of the other people that we're considering Perfect. to pay. But that's just the position. That's not. I mean, that's not even necessarily just him. Like it's it's incredibly difficult, nay, impossible to be consistently great at the cornerback position year in and year out. The rules just don't allow for it anymore. Well, and actually, you know? I. I mean, I think there could be some variance in how many interceptions he gets from year to year, but I don't think the ball skills are going to be declining. No. Like he still yeah. has really good hands and really good instincts. It's just how many opportunities do opposing quarterbacks give him? Last year we saw fewer. We saw them attacking, you know, Anthony Brown more, the slot cornerback more. That's valuable in itself. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, just like it, it is, we talked about it yesterday, it's a weak link position, so it's important that you have a minimum at, at all the positions. And sometimes that can be tough when you pay one guy a lot of money. Having said that, though, if you can reach that minimum, you still make one side of the field incredibly dangerous to throw to. And and, yes. and on a very real game day level, like that's a very difficult thing to work Absolutely. around and, and a big advantage for the Cowboys defense. All right, uh, Landon, let's talk about a player who's maybe getting a little bit too much hype right now going into training camp. We'll get to that next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of a game, all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. What's better than that? There is no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. We are answering your Twitter questions, and this next one comes from at Cowboys Apologist. He wants to know, what player are we expecting too much of this year? Uh, someone who's got a lot of hype, but their play and growth on the field might not reflect that. Well, I don't know that we're expecting too much from him, though maybe we maybe we are. Um, I, I am nervous that if Sam Williams doesn't quite have the jump that we think that he will, that it's it's going to be a lot of of disappointment for a guy that you know is still kind of learning the, the how to play the sport. You know, um, I, I do think that he showed us a lot last year and got us really excited, and I think it's easy to take that hype like we have. And really roll with it and think that, oh, he'll definitely take another step forward. And I still do. I still think that he will, uh, 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 you know, take that step forward. And I, I believe that, 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 that he is going to be a guy that breaks out a bit this year. But I, I also found myself having to kind of temper my expectations because he's still a young player. Uh, he's still figuring it out. He's still pretty raw. Uh, it seems like he has the, the kind of, uh, attitude and, 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 you know, kind of work habits to get better. It sounds like he's worked really hard this off season to try to improve. And he's approached a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of different folks and, you know, kind of learn hone his techniques more. Um, but I, I do think that we, uh, can, can get the train a going sometimes and, and it really starts rolling the hype train. And, uh, it, it's, it's easy to kind of over project what we think these young players are going to develop into. Now the, the good thing here, I will say before uh, you chime in is that, they do have solutions behind him if 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 he doesn't quite you know take the leap. They have Fowler. They've got other pass rushers, Armstrong, obviously. So uh, there there is you know a, a contingency plan if he doesn't quite break out the way that we all expect. Uh, but I do think that there is a lot of hype around him right now, you know. And and I'm just a, little, a tad bit nervous that we get to training camp and maybe he hasn't quite taken that leap yet. I love Sam Williams. But this is the same exact player that I thought of yeah. when I read the question. Because I think everybody right now is kind of like penciling him for 8 to 10 sacks. Yeah. And it's hard to get 8 to 10 sacks, you know, as a second-year player. You know, e- even though we liked what we saw from him as a rookie. You mentioned all the other guys. 
We know Micah Parsons is going to play a lot. We know Demarcus Lawrence is still a really good player. Dallas clearly loves Doris Armstrong. They love what he yeah. can do on first and second down. And then they brought back Dante Fowler, who was a fa- you know a favorite of Dan Quinn. They're going to rotate these guys in a lot. So I won't be surprised if Sam Williams is significantly better this season, but only has five and a half sacks. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing to, to, you know, to mention here is that these expectations of, of eight to 10 sacks, that's also coming on, you know, whatever snaps he's limited to because he's not the starter as it stands right now. So he's, he's fighting to be the third guy, right? Yeah. And so, and so I, I think that that's, you know, we have to understand what the opportunity is for him as well. Like he may not get the chance to uh, uh, produce eight to 10 sacks. I mean, look, what we saw last year was a guy who on limited opportunities was able to produce at a very high rate if he doesn't produce at that high rate and he's still getting similar amount of snaps, it it may not look like it did again. It's all about perspective and what your expectations are, right? Like last year we didn't expect anything from Sam Williams. So for him to come in and give us what he did on limited snaps was incredible. It was, it was amazing to see, but now that the expectations are, you know, up here and, and you're expecting him to produce at that level with, you know, on 25, 20 snaps a game, that's that's a high expectation if he's not able to yeah. keep up that extremely high uh, level of play, which again is a difficult thing to, for a veteran to do. I think uh, it it it, it would it will be disappointing to a lot of folks who, who are expecting him to come out and be some Pro Bowl uh, defensive end. I still think he can be that, but like the expectation that he will be that is that's a high floor to set, set for a second year player. Yeah, we saw some really good flashes from him last year, but what I really want to see is the consistency, like. We saw him last year a couple of times get in on a run play and make a tackle for a loss. And then there would be 17 or so snaps where you wouldn't notice him. I I just want to see the, the down-to-down yeah. consistency, be a more reliable player. Because if he can do that, that's how he's going to get on the field more and get the opportunities yeah. to get the 8 to 10 sacks. Because if he's just kind of a flash player, I could see the Cowboys keeping his role fairly small. Well, the good news for him is that and for the Cowboys, obviously, is that he's a good run player, like a, a good run player. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you're having to be judicious about when you're deploying him on the field. Like you can simply rotate him in w- for Demarcus Lawrence whenever Lawrence needs a breather. It's not like you have to, uh, you know, plan for a third and long or a pass rush only situation. He is a versatile two way player. Uh, we just need to see the consistency come up. So. Uh, listen, I'm all in on the hype train, and and I've been part of the person who's been overhyping him, I'm sure. But I, I, I in, in the interest of the best, what's best for the player and for all of our sanity, I think it is safe to understand that you know all you know, what we see makes us think that he's going to be up here. But there is also the history of sometimes players take step back, sometimes players' progression is not linear. So it's it's something to keep in mind. The only other player that I would mention is Jake Ferguson, just because. That was another yeah. one I was going to think of. Yeah. Well, he had 175 yards as a rookie and like, yeah, that was like four plays that made up like 75% of his production. And yeah. there was a, a really nice play he made against the giants where he kind of left over defender. There was another play that he made after the catch. That was really nice. And that was basically it. Right. And I think everybody's projecting, Oh, he's just going to walk in yeah. and maybe not replace Dalton Schultz, but be a 500 you know yard receiver with six touchdowns. It might just not happen, right? The Cowboys might just use a heavy rotation of tight ends. They might not, just not use as much or as many tight ends as they used last year. I expect him to be better, but I don't know if he's going to be 600 yards better than what he was last year. 
Well, you know, the other thing is he may not be capable of doing what we would of all that. I, I, I've been cautioning since Dalton Schultz left. I understand that a lot of folks didn't love Schultz or, you know, not they weren't upset to see him go necessarily. But I, I again bring up the fact that as much as we like that tight end room, 80% of the production of the tight end room walked out of the door with Dalton exactly. Schultz. As it, the, the flashes we saw with with the three other tight ends, and then obviously we added one in the draft. That that's all well and good, but but as far as production on the field, like there isn't much. Like Ferguson is the most experienced guy, and he played like you know uh, a small percentage well, of the snap. That so, and the Cowboys saw Jake Ferguson and still felt like, hey, we have to use a second round pick on a tight yeah. end, right? So, I mean, that doesn't tell the whole story, but at least it tells you some. Like they're not completely banking on Ferguson to be Dalton Schultz's one for one replacement, and they shouldn't. I mean, like like no. that's a. a even if Ferguson has the leap that we all hope that he will, I still think that that's an overestimation that he could just step in and suddenly produce at the level that Dalton Schultz was. Now, part of that is like what you said. I, I think that you know we'll have conversations about how this offense looks, how it's being deployed, where the targets are going in this offense versus last year. Maybe that is uh, something that will change a little bit. But I think the bottom line is, is that it's – I guess it, oh, hype is one thing, but it's like the expectation in general, like the, 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 it the too high. It's the, not the the Ferguson, hand, right? That's what it is. It's just, they're, they're hand waving it away that, Oh, Ferguson will just produce what, what, what Schultz did. That's not something that you can just like say and think that that's necessarily going to happen. And and if that's overhyping or just overestimating, like, or underestimating what yeah. Schultz was doing for this team, I don't know. But I do think that there is this idea that, Oh, Schultz is gone. It's fine. Ferguson will take where Schultz left off, and then you know Skinner make will add in there. I think that this is something the Cowboys really need to, to work out because it's not a guarantee that they're going to be able to get that same kind of production for the tight end position. And, and just to be clear, we really like Jake Ferguson, and we think yeah. he's going to be much better in year two. But to be that tight end one and to be the guy that replaces Dalton Schultz, who was in year five last year and who was you know coming off a Pro Bowl year. It's going to be really difficult. So I don't think anybody should be expecting that. But that, I mean, you're on Twitter all the time. That feels like that's that what is. the expectation is for Cowboys yeah, fans. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see uh, how it plays out. We'll see. All right, Lena, we've got one more question, including which player did you absolutely love that the Cowboys signed or drafted late? Just never worked out. We will get to that next. We want to thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen every day. Uh, we're going to be off on Friday, but Landon, you and I are jumping back on Monday's show to do some more fun Cowboys debates, so make sure you tune in for that. Our last question here from Quarterkin11 wants to know, who is the one player that you really had hoped would work out for the Cowboys, whether it's a low-end free agent or an undrafted free agent or a, uh, you know, a signing that just never happened? I'm going to mention a name here. It's going to make us all very sad here. Uh, and it's not Matt Johnson because he's not, he wasn't an undrafted free agent. He also uh, never practiced. So yes. <laughs> well, uh, allegedly he did, but I've never seen any, any video confirmation of, of that. Uh, this is a guy who actually practiced quite a bit and played quite a bit. And uh, I was endlessly excited for right up until the last game of the preseason when he jumped up, got hit, fell down on that ankle and was not able to really ever come back after that. And that was a young man by the name of Raymond Radaway. I remember. was a wide receiver from, I think it was 20, 
14. It might have been 10 years now, right? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, probably. I think uh, it was 2012, 2013, maybe. He tore up that whole preseason. The training camp was incredible. You know, look, there have been lots of these guys, including, you know, Cole Beasley and a number of other guys that have been undrafted free agent receivers that have made a splash in practices. But I don't know that anyone else did it the way that Raymond Radaway did. I mean, he looked legitimately like he was not only going to make the team, but mm-hmm. also get some potential, you know, serious looks. And I think, you know, looking back at that whole situation, if the Cowboys, you know, <laughs> had, had had a chance to do that over again, they wouldn't have even let him play in that fourth preseason no. game because they knew that he was already on the team and that they probably had a role for him to get some snaps uh, during the game. So, uh, the fact that they put him out there was more a necessity because they just had to roster a certain amount of players. And, you know, obviously undrafted free agent receivers end up usually playing in the fourth preseason game. Um, but it, it was a very unfortunate situation for him to get injured in that game and then just never kind of came back all the way from it, lost an opportunity. Um, I think about that a lot and how tough this league is oh, for yeah. individuals. And I think about how, uh, someone like Raymond Radaway did every single thing possibly right and still kind of got a bad break. Uh, and and, and it, it, that's the rough part of this game, I think. And so that's the name that came to mind for sure. I've got two. I've got an undrafted free agent, and then I've got a somebody who was a high pedigree guy that the Cowboys signed. And we'll start with that one. I was really excited when the Cowboys signed Ryan Williams, the running back from Virginia mm, Tech. I think this yeah. was... Yeah, wow, God, yeah. Well, you, I, th- this was either as the DeMarco Murray era was kind of wrapping up or right in the middle of it. I don't remember. Off the I think it was near head. the end that they that they started signing. We, yeah. we started to get excited because we wanted to see like a pairing of Williams and, and, uh, and Murray. And, and I remember Williams in training camp and even the preseason <sighs> looking pretty good. But yeah, he, did. he was just one of those guys that could never stay on the field. He had a pretty major injury, I believe early in his career in Arizona and just I think never it was a year. And yeah, I think it was never came year. back from that. Yeah. But that was somebody, you know, that I thought could have potentially been a first round pick. Cowboys signed him cheap. Just this is never able to get back that explosiveness. Uh that one always bummed me out. And I'll go back to the receiver since you brought up Radway. I was always a big fan of Jamaica Rector. Do you remember Jamaica Oh Rector? yeah. Sure, Number 85. He kind yeah. of, I mean, listen, had a little bit of a CD Lamb wiry body, could could move a little bit. Actually stuck around the NFL for a while, was yeah, with did. the Cardinals for a bit. Uh, never really developed into anything more than a down roster receiver, but that was somebody that I really enjoyed watching in training camp. And I believe one year he led all receivers in pre- the preseason in yards. Yep. But this just happens. It shows you the talent around the league, that you could have somebody look that awesome in camp in preseason, but never really do anything in the regular season. Yeah, and it's, there's so many of these names that are rattling around in our heads. That, oh, like, I mean, there's you know, a million of them. We talk about these guys all the time. I Another name that I was the, for just throwing random names out, another name that I thought about was Ken Bishop. Remember the defensive tackle? Oh, gosh, well, yeah. I, I thought for sure Ken Bishop was going to, you know, I certainly he made the team, if I remember correctly, he but did, I thought yeah. that he, he would develop into, you know, a player that would be better and better every year. He kind of tailed off. So, uh, do you remember how bad of... how bad a shape the Cowboys' defensive tackle room was in when we were excited about? Hey, maybe Ken, Ken Bishop. Bishop and Davon Coleman can be a really good yeah. defensive tackle pairing for the the Cowboys. Can David Irving play defensive tackle? Apparently, he could, but he yeah. could not also uh, stay on the field. I, I uh, got well, I got one more before we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think people forget that Jamil Showers was ahead of Dak oh, Prescott man. on the on the depth chart because he was better in practice. Then Prescott. Prescott had the draft capital, 
But Showers looked really good as a quarterback whenever he got an opportunity to play. Now, he wasn't as developed as a passer, but he made plays. The Cowboys eventually had to just move him positions because they just didn't have the room at quarterback. But I think in an alternate world, if some stuff doesn't happen to the quarterbacks, I just wonder if like he hangs around as this utility QB3 guy. Honestly, if Jamil Showers came out this year, I wonder if he doesn't make it better as a quarterback. Oh, because I bet he does, 100%. I, I, I thought that he – I was convinced that he was, at times, the second and or third best quarterback on this team oh, uh, yeah. for multiple points. And he never got any opportunity. One thing I never understood about the way the team handled him was they never – he kept showing us stuff. Yep. He kept showing us yep. stuff at quarterback and they refused to play him there because they were insistent that he was going to be this catch all down roster practice squad guy who they could have do a whole bunch of different stuff. And I, and I understand that because those guys are useful and that's a good plan for someone to stick in the NFL. I just really felt like Jamil showers had a future at quarterback. Well, I think he was a better really quarterback than like, Taysom Hill, right? Yeah. And if I wonder, like, if Taysom Hill happens, you know, the Taysom Hill happens like three years before showers. If teams don't look at showers and be like, hey, he, he could do a lot of that same Taysom Hill stuff. Why not keep him at quarterback? Let him do the quarterback sneaks. Have him do some stuff as a running back or a wide receiver. I, I just think he kind of got a raw deal. I agree. Uh, you know, I think the Cowboys pigeon held him into this situation where, hey, this guy can be a flexible practice squad, do everything for us on practice day type player. And they missed an opportunity to develop a guy that, you know, listen, I'm not in those rooms. Quarterback's a very cerebral position. Maybe there's some stuff that we don't know, but all I know is what I saw on the field on in Oxnard and on the field in, in those preseason games. And there were definitely times when Jameel Showers looked more like a professional quarterback than Dak Prescott, than Kellen Moore, than uh, oh, I mean, all, definitely all, all the Moore, options right? that they had at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I felt like it was an unfortunate situation that he didn't at least get an opportunity. Uh, I always love doing some member berries here on the podcast. It's always fun yeah. to bring up some of these old, you know, previous pet cat loves. Uh, we want to hear your favorites. So make sure that you yeah. send them to us uh, at lot on Cowboys, send them to Lane and at McCool BCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. The podcast is free and available on all platforms. Go check us out on YouTube. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you guys right back here on Monday.